Honolulu, the Southern Highlands, or cruising the Coronation Islands. They're all up listening to Macca. Well, I've had calls from all over Australia, people offering to come here and have a look around, want to go and help feed the cattle and all that sort of thing. Donations. So far, the current ICWA has received up to $80,000 in cash. Isn't that lovely? And Colin, did you get any rain the other day? <laughs> three mils, three mils. See, what people don't realise, I've been through three droughts now in 40 years, three bad ones. But in this case, you've had all of New South Wales 100% drought. Droughted, yeah. And there's, in the past, you've had somewhere to send your cattle. Exactly, and, or, or, and there's yep. been hay around too, yeah. But know. the big issue that we're dealing with is, as I said to our ladies at the branch, I said we have to try and save our main streets. Drought goes far beyond the exactly. farm gate. Contractors, it's everybody. So what we're doing is helping. We've been giving vouchers, putting the money back in the town. You don't only help the farmer, you're helping the town. Maintain the jobs in your town and keep the town alive and kicking. Judges, barristers, chefs, baristas, designers, artists, fashionistas. It's really very Catholic on a Sunday morning. Yeah, Macker in the morning turns my week around. He picks me up when I feel down. I wait all week for Macker on a Sunday morning. The big wet's here, at least for some, the dams are full, the rivers run. As one wag said, who shot the Elmino brothers? On Kilto Station, Roebuck Plains, through drought, bushfire, flooding rains, we celebrate Australia on a Sunday morning. My weekly fix, Macca, on a Sunday morning. Good morning. Welcome to the program. Uh, wherever you are around Australia or all over the world, you can ring us, 1300 700 222. I had a call earlier this morning from uh, Chris in Bunningong. He sent me a um, an update. He says, just wanted to correct Mac a, a respectrometers uh, in that it's simply not an app that you can get for your mobile. I just need to correct that impression. When I said these are build, being built into smartphones, this is spectrometers, it's a minor, miniaturised spectrometer which are being built into specific smartphones. Whether you have a separate device, the matchbox-sized item in the background, as in the attached picture of a nutrimeter, a VLB, or one built into a smartphone, the app merely connects the spectrometer with cloud-based data, which then... Is it data or data? which then compares the spectral fingerprint with produce grown in similar geolocation soil-type climate zones. That is why we will be building our own Nutrimeter V7, is it? Nutrimeter 7 measures both soil and produce qualities in Australia in 2019 for ANZ, Australian New Zealand conditions and produce. For farmers, this will reduce the reiterative process of the refractometer approach from three to five years to as many as seconds. For consumers... They can walk down the supermarket aisle, scan and pick the best apple or tomato in seconds without even touching them. Also attaches a Nutrimeter 1, a refractometer which farmers in Australia and around the world have been using for 50 to 60 years to improve their soils by monitoring the quality output fruit and veggies, grains and grasses as they try different soil uh, solutions to improve quality. We've only just read, uh, recently discovered that we in our fresh produce and organic shop in Trentham were the first in the world to introduce both nutrient density readings and ratings of fresh produce, poor, average, good or excellent for each item. did not work very well in the shop, but it's the best way to, produce online, to buy produce online. Consumers can check they are getting the quality they paid for. There you go. And on another tack, um, Steel Jacob says... 
I'm from Western Australia uh, and work closely with the Australian apple growing industry and was saddened to hear your comment that you've not had a good apple for a long time. In the past few years, we have many exciting new apple varieties entering into the market to replace some of those not so exciting, which I hope you were referring to. Included in these new apple varieties is the new Bravo branded apple created in Western Australia by the same Western Australian apple breeding program that created and developed the Pink Lady, which is now an internationally recognised Aussie created apple. These Bravo apples are now grown Australia-wide and are clearly my favourite for flavour, crunch and appearance. Our fantastic Australian apple growers have invested a great deal into their orchards recently to produce this new era of varieties, as well as those old favourite apples, to give consumers a great range of choice. I'm sure that everyone should now find a favourite apple to enjoy, says Steel. Steel Jacob. Remember the other Steel, Steel Turkey? That's an interesting name, isn't it? Steel, S-T-E-E-L-E. When the apple season finishes after April next year, I invite you to come and try these great Australian-grown apples to see if we can't find you that good apple. That's <laughs> you've been waiting a long time for, says Steel. These varieties are grown by our passionate apple growers all around Australia. Steel, I'm quite sure they're passionate everywhere. Steel's from Manjimup, by the way. Um, and the better they taste, the more people will eat them too. Um, and I will do that. Bravo's the, the deal, apparently. If you can find a Bravo, see what that's like. Um, Andrew says, G'day, Macca. This is Andrew, of course. I met you in Blackhall when you were out there. I just wanted to let you know that the prawn fishing has not yet started in Moreton Bay, so I'm doing a stint in New Zealand. I listen every Sunday morning and tune into ABC most nights to keep up to speed with all the Australian news. Thank God for technology. It's very cold here, even snow. Love the program, says Andrew. Catch up with the Australian news. Well, that'll be good. Often we don't get a lot of Australian news, do we? We get everybody else's news, but we don't get a lot of Australian news. We get some, depends what's going on. Um, 1300 700 that's our number. I'd love to talk to you. G'day, this is Macca. Hello. Hello. It's Wendy speaking here. I'm on the road uh, to Inverell on the Gympie Highway, mm-hmm. and I'm going home after a bird trip. I've been with the Bird Gould League, right up to Tipperborough and Cameron's Corner. Wow. Good, wow. Good fun? <laughs> Great fun. Great fun. And what sort of birds do you see up around Cameron's Corner and Tipperborough? Little grass uh, wrens and all well, sorts of stuff, I suppose. Well, I've travelled all this way from Ballina, right up there to look for the gibber bird to add to my bird list. And guess what? what? I never saw the damn thing. A gibber bird? What? <laughs> A gibber bird. Yeah, what's a gibber bird? Oh, it's it's just a small bird that um, looks like a Richard Pippet with a bit of yellow on it. But my main um, thing was to uh, survey the area and, um, you know, see whether how the birds were surviving and uh, how animals are. It's very, very dry. I've been through a dust storm. I've got red hair instead of white hair. <laughs> it's probably very attractive, <laughs> Wendt. Oh, no, I washed it out. <laughs> and uh, it, it was it was a very big eye-opener, uh, a bit sad. Uh, a lot of the um, water holes are all dried up and they're absolutely lined with uh, dead kangaroos, carcasses uh-huh. everywhere. And uh, so it... Uh, was a very enlightening trip, and uh, I was with quite a lot of people. But now I'm 
on my way home to my darling husband in Ballina. And, and I, I rang you once before from Yawa in Queensland mm. in the 80s. Wow, uh, in the 80s? Uh, yes, 1980, I think it was. And you've been watching birds all that time, Wendy? I've been watching birds all my life. Uh-huh. And how come? How did that start, do you reckon? Well, it actually started with my grandfather, who lived next door to me, and I was only a little kid. And I used to tag along. And he he was a naturalist before he was, you know, recognised. And he'd say, oh, what plant's this? And what what bird's that? And he'd tell me all these things. And, of course, I was just a bit of a nuisance then. But it seemed to have um, <laughs> evolved. Kids are always a nuisance, <laughs> aren't they? I'm now a grandmother. <laughs> <laughs> Wendy, that's a nice thing. Listen, tell me this. If you're in the bird-watching fraternity, which I'm not, but uh, I mean, I'd love to go up to Tipperborough looking at birds. and little, I love little birds, grass wrens and stuff and pardalites. But listen, tell me, are young kids in, interested in, in bird-watching these days? or? Uh, we are encouraging it. I've got um, three grandsons. And uh, I'll tell you a little story quickly. Mm. Uh, on the um, where we lived at uh, Lennox Head, my daughter with all her um, other mothers and kids and that, and uh, my five-year-old, it was he was five at the time. Lockie, his name is. And uh, my my daughter said, "Oh, look at all these seagulls!" And he had a little look, and he said. Oh, uh, no, he said, they're silver goals. And she turned around and she said, you're getting brainwashed by your grandmother. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Anyhow, that, that's my story. But right. I can tell you the the country is pitiful. Yeah. Pitiful, right. pitiful up there. You've got to think of those people up there. They're really doing it hard. All right. Good on you, Wendy. Nice to talk to you. Keep in touch, eh? It's nice to talk to you, too, after all this time. <laughs> Good on you, Wendy. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Mick's on the Murray. Good morning, Mick. Hey, Mick. How you going? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Whereabouts on the Murray are you, Mick? Uh, we've, we left Robinville yesterday, and we're down near Weeman. Where is it? Weeman. Weeman. Yeah, and it's on the way to Murray. Uh, Mildura, sorry. Uh-huh. Uh, we're doing a tinny trip with uh, four boats, towing four boats with nine blokes, in memory of our mate Les Beecham, who died of cancer two years ago. Uh-huh. And um, we spread his ashes in the water yesterday, and he's coming come with us down the river. Isn't that nice? It's a lovely thing to do. Mickey, uh, yeah, what's it like on the Murray this morning? Bit uh... Beautiful. Dead calm, blue sky, the cockies are screeching, and the, the wood ducks are quacking, and <laughs> we're just getting out of our swags now. I, I laid in bed this morning and watched the space station go over, and uh, oh. that's glorious. Oh, how good is that, Mick? Jeez. Yeah, fantastic. It doesn't get better. Where are you from, Mick? Ballarat. I'm a member of the Napoleon Sox Club. I rang you years ago. The Napoleon what? Fox Club. Fox Club? Yeah, we, we shoot foxes every winter. We've been doing it for over 30 years. Isn't that funny? I was talking to a lady the other day because they worked in a fashion department, I think at a big store like David Jones, and they, they were telling me about fox furs and how ladies used to wear fox furs and draped over their shoulders in those days, you know? And yeah, there's no market for them now, Macca, because uh, oh, the antis got onto it and, uh, and the market fell through. We used to send our skins to, over to Korea and they used to send them to Russia, but 
there's no market anymore. But we still shoot them and get rid of them because they're feral pests. They're horrible, yeah. And uh, yeah, they're terrible. And uh, we shoot two to three hundred a year, and we've been doing it for thirty odd years. A big group of mates from around the area, and we travel all over Western Victoria shooting foxes every Saturday. Keeps the boys in the pub. Good on you. Shoot a few feral cats while you're at it, mate. Oh, we do that as well. Yeah. <laughs> Good on you, Mick. I'd love to be on the Murray with you. I think a lot of us would be, mate. Listen to yeah, the Yeah, we've got another... This is the first night of seven nights, and uh, our wives are in Mildura waiting for it. <laughs> Patiently waiting. Yeah, they've got a house up there, and, and they headed off yesterday, and they'll do their thing, and with a bit of luck, we'll turn up on Saturday morning. <laughs> we Good might on. keep going. All right, Mick. Good on you, mate. Nice to talk. Thanks, Macca. Bye. See ya. Bye. Uh, g'day, this is Macca. G'day, Macca. It's Emma. Hello, Emma. How are you doing this morning? Yeah, good. Hey, coming to you live from Bennett's Beach near Hawksnet. <laughs> from <laughs> coming to us live, great stuff. Yeah, go on. <laughs> yeah, and I was just saying to um, to your colleague that we've uh, had this holiday planned. We come from a little farm near Tamworth. Uh huh. And we've had it planned, well, almost for 25 years because we got rid of the kids. But um, it's rained the entire time and we're really happy because you can't change it. And uh, we've had a little bit of rain at home. The kids are ringing us and telling us. But I was just saying to your colleague that, you know, it's tough. But if we all hang in there, uh, the rain will come back. Exactly. I've got a boomerang somewhere in my office and it says something like this. It says the... the um because it's a boomerang, and the boomerang comes come back, sure. and it says on it, the farmers of Lightning Ridge will smile again when the rain comes back. Um, it's a lot. It's Fantastic. A, and, well, we we have a friend who's uh, much cleverer than us, who works in um, rain and climatology, and he said to me many years ago, "You know what, Emma? I've worked it out." I said, "What?" He said, "Always rains between the droughts." <laughs> Exactly. Or the other thing he probably would have said is that um, a drought always ends with a with a with some rain. Yeah. Yeah. Or just look up in the sky and it might come back. Yeah, so yeah. I just wanted to say it's a beautiful day here, and uh, we're very fortunate that we could get to the beach. But it has rained the whole time. But hey, can't change it. No. And Emma, what do you grow in uh, Tamworth? Uh, nothing at the moment. We got rid of everything. We've had uh, dorpers. We've had uh, bull goats. Uh, we've, we're on a loosened flat, but again, there's been no water to grow it. So we, we rely on um, off-farm stuff, but it's just a beautiful spot to bring up kids. And as I say, now, look, we've done such a good job. They've flown off and they're living other places. <laughs> this boomerang, which I've just picked up, the farmers <laughs> of Lightning Ridge will come back like this boomerang when the rain comes. <laughs> and I'm with the guys of Lightning Ridge. There's nothing else we can do, Macca. Emma, go go for, no! Don't go for a swim if it's been raining. It's not good going for a swim. No, 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 no. It'll be a coffee, I think, somewhere. Yeah, a coffee or a latte, a chai, a chai latte. Oh no, a little lemon twist on the end. No, look, we're having a great time, Mac. Have a great day. <laughs> good on you. Cheers. <laughs> nice to talk to you. Bye. Bye. It's George here from Melbourne. Yes, George. Macca, you were speaking about rabbits earlier in the morning. Yeah. I, I was involved with the company from 1961 to 74, which was the biggest rabbit exporters in Australia, but uh, there was another one. We were doing a million pairs a year exporting to the States and uh, England mm. and employed hundreds of people in the industry and uh, got rabbits all the way from Queensland, Western Australia, Tasmania, and processed them in Melbourne. And, um, you know, it died with the uh, viruses and what have you. But um, there were all these mobile chillers around the countryside and people buying and shooting and trapping. 
it was just amazing the amount of rabbits that we've got. And uh, after that, we also got involved in kangaroos. And in the 70s, there were inquiries that, you know, the kangaroos are being shot out. And uh, today, there's still as many as there was in those days. Yeah, and it's a great shame because we used to use all those rabbit, or some of the rabbit skins, didn't we use for, for making a, a, a cubra a cubra yeah, hats? Yeah, they went to auction, but a cubra bought them, and uh, they still maintain to this day. I think that that was the only and the best uh, material to use for it. Yeah, I think they import their rabbit skins now for their hats, don't they? Yes, well, in those days, you couldn't import any rabbit materials at all because of the mix of mitosis, because they maintained that if you injected rabbits or uh, whatever uh, under the quarantine laws, um, you uh, wouldn't uh, spread myxomatosis here and you couldn't farm rabbits or anything, so it was all wild rabbits. And uh, across the border on the uh, dog-proof fence uh, in New South Wales, just across, there was a place called Buller Downs. We used to get about three to 4,000 pair for every three or four days from there. Down to Broken Hill. I mean, it was just amazing. The, the furs were terrific up in the uh, snow country, and the meat was terrific sort of out of that uh, country in uh, Queensland where they got fat. And, uh, and it, uh, it was just an amazing industry. And Jack McRae was somebody else that was very big, and they would have done as many as we did in those days. Yeah, and it was. Uh... It wasn't real great for the environment, I suppose, but, um, I mean, while they were being shot out, but they, there was times where they just overran the place. It was in, I was uh, out, I forget where I was, in the probably the Gibson, no, it would have been the Simpson Desert, I think. Um, I don't know, 15 years ago with my mate Perth, we were on our way to, I don't know where, and um, we were in Sandhill country and we came across these rabbits and the rabbits were the same colour as the Sandhills. They were like that that uh, you know, Ayers Rock, uh, Uluru colour, you know, that uh, reddy colour. That's because well, they lived out there, you know, whereas mostly those rabbits are that greyy, bluey colour, you know. The, uh, no, but but no. these rabbits out there were the same colour as the Sandhill, of course. And they were also in the Nullarbor and across the border in the desert country. They were, you know, sort of a yellowy colour. They blended into the environment. Yeah. Maka, while I've got you, can I put in a little plug for the Mailbag Foundation Starting next week, it's for prostate cancer. Yeah. And there's a heap of guys in Melbourne. And it's my first year of involvement. They've got these little posty motorbikes. Yeah. And we're going from next Saturday from Melbourne, uh, staying the first night at Eloquin, Finlay, Griffith Parks, Bathurst, Wagga, Mulvala, and the Gambia and Canberra for a week collecting money. And David Parkin is the uh, patron of it, and he also rides along. We'll try and raise money. I'm driving one of the uh, escort vehicles, uh, riding motorbikes these days. So I uh, <laughs> just wonder if just getting a bit past it. But uh, it's a great concept and, uh, you know, it's uh, for prostate cancer. And people will see them. When do they leave? Leaving next Saturday morning from Melbourne uh-huh. and coming back on Sunday the 28th. Well, give us a ring on, on Sunday wherever you are and... I'll get someone, get Dave Parkin to ring us, uh, give us a ring. and. S- well, I'll get Dave to ring you next Sunday, if you like. That sounds like a good idea, Georgie. What did you do in the rabbit business? Well, I was managing. I was in Broken Hill for quite a number of years. We had a processing plant there. Yeah. And uh, then I came back to Melbourne and I run all around Australia sort of getting chillers and trappers and shooters. And, and I've seen most of the country. And, boy, it's an incredible country. And... We just don't know what we've got here compared to 
other places and uh, there's just so much to see here and the things that have happened since the 70s it's, uh, it's amazing you go to places where there was nothing and there it's towns and um, well, it's it's just an amazing country like as you well know uh, exactly georgie uh keep in touch nice to talk to you okay take care thanks S- see you mate bye yeah. uh g'day this is macca good morning macca this is norm from swan hill g'day normie How's things? Yeah, good, mate. Yeah. That's good. Just ringing up to see how, uh, give a bit of a report on Swan Hill. Um, the drought has uh, affected in the Mallee a fair bit, mm. and the uh, crop yields will be down a little bit. And uh, you're, dry, travel- you're, you're still dry there in Swan Hill? Oh, yeah, still dry, yes. This, uh, this drought that we're going through now, in my opinion anyway, is about the daddy of them all. There We've you had- go. Yeah, we've had plenty of droughts uh, over the years in the Mallee, but uh, this one's different. Yeah, well, northeast Victoria is uh, it's, and it's getting worse, Norm, isn't it? Um, um, we've heard a lot about New South Wales and Queensland, but not so much about Victoria. But it's this has been creeping up on you now for oh, a month or two. Oh yes, oh well, nearly all this year. Like mm. it, it just we're in the tenth month of the year, and it just hasn't rained. And uh, I mean, all we've survived on, I think we've. Uh, in Swan Hill itself here, we've we've had just about four inches of rain for the year, but it's been in scattered showers of uh, uh, 10 mil and 20 mil uh, over that period to make it, where our average rainfall here is 13 inches or 12.87. And how's the... Sh- see, the main thing is, is the main street. How's the main street doing, mate? That's the problem. Well, the main street is very quiet. Mm. Very quiet. I was talking to a farmer the other day, and uh, he said, I told my boys, he said, I've driven a nail through the checkbook. And uh, <laughs> and that's gone, you know, right throughout the region, uh, you know, where farmers have, well, they've got to face up to sowing another crop again next uh, April, May next year, and uh, that's, that's an expensive item, especially if your income has been slashed like it will be this year. Yes, exactly. All right. So they've got a budget on the... On what they're doing next year. Well, there's another area now that uh, where the drought's biting. Uh, Norm, because I heard the Weather Bureau say, uh, I think uh, a week or three ago, maybe four weeks ago, that it was going to then this the next six months was going to be drier than normal. And then, of course, where I live, it started raining, hasn't stopped. But yeah, but yeah. where you are, she's dry. You know. Um, oh, it's dry. All right, by Joseph. But the Mallee people are very religious, uh, resilient. resilient people, and. Uh, yeah, no, no, they'll uh, they'll battle on through it, but it's uh, it's sort of uh, have a drink of water and tighten your belt. <laughs> That's good, for sure. Good on you, Normie. Right, I make it good to talk to you. Yeah, you too, mate. We'll catch you. Bye. Bye, bye. G'day, this is Macca. G'day, Macca. It's Chad from Olympic Dam here, mate. How you going? Good, thanks, Chad. Hey, uh, we got a poker run on in Kidena. Uh, next weekend, Saturday the 20th. A what a? Uh, a poker run for What's my the... son. It's called Ride for Riley. Uh-huh. And he's a Ninja Cockle survivor. Uh, he's about four and a half years old now. We're just trying to raise a few funds to get him some advanced uh, prosthetics and stuff. Gee, what happened, uh, What happened, Chad? Uh, so he's about 18 months old, mate, and he contracted meningococcal. Mm. And, yeah, so we spent about the last... Uh, Next nine months in hospital with him, and he was just trooping away in there, doing what he could, and end up yeah losing both his legs and all his fingers and stuff from it. Dear, but oh, he, dear, oh, dear. But he's an absolute champion. He just keeps trooping on. 
there's a lot of there's, yeah, there's a lot of uh, generous people and stuff around the place, and so yeah, Dan Kadena will have a big poker run for him. Well, and that's next Saturday, did you say? Next Saturday, yeah, twentieth of October. And it's how, open open how, for cars and bikes and anyone that wants to come along. And uh, and how can people um, uh, help uh, uh, Riley um, Chatty? Uh, so we've got a um, GoFundMe page. Mm. If you just searched Riley Nixon, Riley Nixon, um, that's probably the easiest way for people to try and find him. Yeah. Uh huh. All right. There you go. So that's uh, next Saturday in uh, Kadena. Yep. And what right. do you, what do you do at Olympic Dam, Chatty? Uh, diesel mechanic, mate. All out right. On, out on the mine side here. So. And how's things up there? Oh, not too bad. It's pretty clear and busy at work, so it's a good times. Chad, uh, good on you, mate. Um, and uh, you're a bit of a champion too, just like Riley. Um, <laughs> keep up the good work, mate, and keep in touch, okay? No worries. Thanks, mate. I'll let you know next weekend how it goes. All right. Good on you. <laughs> All right. Cheers, mate. See you. Bye. Hi, Macca. This is Ian Gill from Benalla. How are you? Good, thanks, Ian. We've talked in the past about ultrafine wool. And um, we've now developed a new product or an innovation that improves on the uh, quality and performance of pure silk. Now, that's a, a sort of a big statement, but what has happened is that we've we found that uh, by mixing very, very fine wool with silk, we can improve its performance. Well, tell me, why, how, what, what do you mean? Well, in, in, the, in the past, there's been thousands of tonnes of wool silk blends made, but it's always been wool having its properties changed by the addition of silk. But what we've done is found that these uh, new wools that have been produced that are very, very, very fine, they're, they're similar in thickness to silk. And when you put that sort of wool and silk together, you get a new product. So you're mixing uh, silk with a bit of wool rather than doing uh, wool with a bit of silk? Correct. Uh-huh. Correct. And, what, right. and what's, the, what's the difference? What happens? Well... You, you get a luxurious-looking, very, very beautifully handling product that looks like silk, but it breathes and it doesn't it doesn't crush easily and it drapes magnificently. And and silk, when you're in humid conditions, it, it gets clammy against the body. But in in this case, it doesn't get clammy. It, it, you still feel free when you've got this product on. So it drapes sort of properly, does it? You see what That's you mean? Right. That's it, right. It sits and better. True, and it doesn't crush easily like silk does. And now tell us about silk, because uh, you associate silk, well, I do, with, with Chinese um, because they, they've worn a lot of silk, haven't they? And it's part of their, part of their culture. True. And that, that's where we got the initial um, uh, experimental work done with a, a major silk um, weaving company that was able to help us find uh, some spinners that would do this. It's it's quite innovative to take wool and put it into a silk spinning mill, and uh, it, the same as it's pretty hard to put uh, silk into a, a woolen mill. The, the percentages are very 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 tight in manufacture, but when they find out how it performs, and designers have started to look at this product, and they're impressed. And uh, we now have got to the stage where we've done the experimental work and we need to get to the commercial stage and we need Australian support to get that going because we want to keep it as an Australian product. Ian, I know you've, you've been involved in fine wools and, and making uh, products with fine wools, but this is, I suppose, this, this stands to be, um, yeah, I suppose, as you say, you're looking for, for uh, support, um, Australian manufacturers. I mean, how, how did you come across this? And I, I won't ask you 
the uh, the blend um, the blend numbers because that's that's your secret. But um, how did you come across this? You just work away and work away and beaver away and look at uh, opportunities, I suppose. Yeah, the main opportunity we saw was that we had two fibres of similar diameter, and they should blend well with one another, and they do. And um, it, it was just—it's it, it, not miraculous, but it's just an innovation that we followed through. And it's now to the stage where designers are asking for it, and we need to be able to get to the commercial stage to do it. And your your market will be well all over the world, but particularly China. Yes, particularly northern China, but India is also interested. But another group that's very interested are, are designers of bridal wear, wedding dresses, etc. Uh huh. So there's a number of things, but we've got a number of products that we've already developed and we'll be crowdfunding this. And uh, the difference with this crowdfunding is that you get something for your crowdfunding. You're, in fact, buying the product and we deliver after Christmas when we've got uh, enough of it to go into commercial production. What's the name of your company, Ian? The the name of the company is Jamala, Proprietary Limited, but the product is Warm Silk. And, and we've, you, managed to, we've managed to get the name Warm Silk registered in China, which is no easy thing, but it's <laughs> now registered in China. And where are you based? At Benalla. Benalla, on the, on, yeah. the, on the main drag to... Uh, that's right. ...from between Melbourne and Sydney. Well, yes. yeah, that's a, well, that's a great story, Ian, a great story, and good luck to you. I keep in touch, and I hope you go really well with Warm, warm Silk, eh? Warm Silk, and you can find it on indigo.com. Yeah, I won't ask you how long it took you to get the uh, the the name registered in China, but it sounds like a bit of a battle, was it? Well, you don't hold your breath, right? <laughs> <laughs> perhaps, right. Perhaps, perhaps people who are interested could contact you. I'll send you an email of the of the where to find it on the website. All right, good on you, Ian. Lovely to talk to you. Uh, how is it in Benalla? You've been dry there or wet or what? Yeah, very very dry. September, very dry. And uh, we we went uh, about uh, thirty four days, thirty two days without any rain at all. Yeah, unusual. Yeah, that's yeah, Australia. So Good on you, Ian. Good luck. Thanks, Maker. Bye. Keep up the keep up the fight. Bye. Thanks, mate. Oh, look, he's on the line. It's Donny. Don Fraser. Good morning, Donny. Good morning, Maker. How are you, buddy? <laughs> I'm all right. <laughs> how was how was Werris Creek? I heard it was just a a, a ripper. Uh, mate, it was absolutely fantastic. I really had such a good time, and those people out in the country, you know, really deserve us supporting them. They're really doing it tough. Ladies and gentlemen, Dawn was out uh, Werris Creek because they have a pool there called the Dawn Dawn Fraser Pool, and it was built in the sixties. And they raised, I think, forty three thousand pounds or something, Dawny, to to get it built back in those days. Forty seven thousand uh, pounds they raised yeah. in nineteen sixty four, and it's the only. Only Olympic-sized swimming pool. It's six lanes and not eight lanes, but six lanes. And we're you know, there's fantastic people out there, you know. I had such a good time because it's the big railway uh, town and I think railways are going to go back there, which would be fantastic. I'll say, I had a, we had an email from a, a lady who was a grey gnome and she said uh, they were on the road there and they met this bloke on a pony and the pony had a patch over its eye because it was blind in one eye. And this bloke had got on his pony at 1am, 1am last Saturday, and ridden into Werris Creek, which took him six hours. And then he had a sleep at six o'clock in the morning. And then he <laughs> waited around for you. And then, and then in the after, late in the afternoon, he got back on his pony and uh, they drove and he got home about 10, 11 o'clock at night. And he'd ridden all that way just to see you. I don't know if you met him. Tony. I did meet him, actually. I did meet him. He was a beautiful man. And also I had um, 
uh, an Aboriginal young man and they brought his son down and they drove down from Burke. Took them uh, 10 hours. Wow. They came, came and met me at the pool, had a photograph, I signed a couple of uh, jerseys for his two younger sons. And once they said hello and goodbye, gave me a hug and a kiss and got back in the car and drove back to Burke. Uh, see, because you're a legend, see, <laughs> I would have done that except I was busy. But, um, yeah, I was just thinking the other day, you know, um, I like all our sportsmen, but I don't know what it is about the girls, Dawn Fraser and Betty Cuthbert and, you know, Raylene Boyle. I mean, they're just, they're my heroes. Oh, um, that's good, man, because you're <laughs> a hero too, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, it would have been lovely in where it's good because, yeah, people just love, lovely when someone... Um, and especially the owner of the pool, as you are, because it's got your name on it, uh, <laughs> turn, turns up in town. Donnie, what, what have you been doing with yourself? Oh, I've just been doing uh, a bit of mentoring with our swimmers and mainly at uh, disabled swimmers and, uh, and but before they went to the Pampax and uh, got a couple of kids that uh, won some gold medals and they're getting ready for Tokyo in 2020 and uh, coming down to, going down to Melbourne at the end of the month short course uh, championships. Uh, uh, that's all I'm doing. I'm still doing a bit of, uh, I guess, speaking around the, around the country, Macca, and uh, getting out to see the country as much as I can. I've been supporting the farmers and trying to raise some money for them, which is good, because uh, it's pretty dry out in the middle there. Oh, yeah, and it's yeah. and spreading too, Dawn. It's, go, it's down in Victoria now, in big time. They, a bloke rang us this morning from Swan Hill, for instance, oh. and said that he's never seen it. Uh, bad, and we've thought about you know New South Wales and Queensland, but um, yeah, it's going across parts of New uh, uh, South Australia as well, and but Victoria's yes. really copping it. Yeah, it's um, we, you know the the, uh, the coast is getting all the rain and yeah. the storms, and I wish it'd come into the country. And um, you know we've got we've got the government's really got to start thinking about what we can do and and, and building some uh, water tunnels from the, the, the uh, rivers and that. And it can be done. It can be done. Yeah, I, I, remember, I remember years ago there were five men, uh, KP, um, Alan Jones and John Singleton. They all put up $10 million each and uh, said to the government, let's build a, uh, a, a tunnel under the Blue Mountains and put some water out to the to the west. Yeah. And the government was game enough to do it. And I can't remember what it was called, but there was five businessmen that were ready to put up $10 million each and... I'm sorry that never happened because we wouldn't be in the strife that we're in today. No, well, and that's the story of Bradfield, you know. Bradfield, the Harbour Bridge man and the, and the Story Bridge in, in uh, Brisbane. But he had yes. a, he had a sch- scheme to drought-proof, you know, and it was about the diamond, uh, not the diamantina, the the Burdekin up in Queensland and building dams. And he said, oh, look to the government. He said, and this was back in the, I, I suspect, in the 30s. He said, this is going to cost you £30 million. Mm. And again, they squibbed it. Um, and uh, £30 million is a lot of money. But, you know, in the scheme of things, um, it's a bit like the Snowy Mountains. It probably wouldn't be built today, you know. But, um, yeah, you can look at the value of something like the Snowy Mountain Scheme now and just... That's- uh, yeah. That's right, Macca. We've just got to get somebody up there at the top that's got enough guts to say, well, this is where we're going to spend the money. And I'm sure the taxpayers of this country of ours wouldn't say no. They, they say, yep, let's do it. We've got to do something. We really have to. Donnie, tell me this. Did you do a lap of the uh, the pool in uh, Where's Creek? <laughs> Mate, it was too cold. It was too cold. We raised, um, actually, the, uh, the, the local member said to one of the charity queens, Ross Dyer, 
if you can get Donnie Fraser out here to open up this pool for their anniversary, I will get some money to heat the pool. And they gave them a cheque for a quarter of a million dollars. They're going to build a grandstand, going to put solar heating, uh, solar panels all on top of the grandstand, going to put a solar uh, cover over the pool, and the kids will get about five and a half months of swimming now, which is absolutely fantastic. Oh, good stuff. Donnie, it's great yeah. to talk to you. How's things in Noosa, all right? Yes, mate. I'm in Alice Springs at the moment for the uh, Alice Springs Masters Games. We started, had the opening ceremony last night. We've got a week of competition and we've got 4,000 um, mature age athletes here competing and it's going to be a fantastic week. And the Invictus start later this week, don't they? The Invictus yes, Games they, in Sydney? they do. Yeah, they do. So it's, it's all go for Australia at the moment. Have you got Jerry Harvey up there with you? No, he's not. No. <laughs> <laughs> No. <laughs> no, we have a Macca. <laughs> All right. Okay. <laughs> Lovely to all talk right. to you, Donny. Yeah, you keep well and, and uh, hello to all of your listeners across Australia. Good on you. Thanks, Donny. Bye. Thanks, Bye. Thanks, Cheers.